the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message is, Things We Should Always Remember. Things We Should Always Remember. How good is your memory? I've heard people boast about the quality of their memory. They can recall the names of people they met 40, 50, or more years ago. They can recall minute details of conversations and of things which happened many, many moons ago. A good memory is a precious gift of God, and we should treasure it and thank God for it every day. But the fact is that nothing is more characteristic of human life than the tendency to forget. Memory has a habit of playing curious tricks on us. We can remember people's faces, but we forget their names. We remember the story, but we forget its date or where we heard it. We can recall the unessential and forget the fundamental. We remember a single injury and forget a multitude of gracious benefits that we have received. I think you will pull, th- pull through, said the doctor to his patient. But you are a very, very sick man. Please, doctor, begged the patient, do everything you can for me. And if I get well, I'll donate $50,000 to the fund for your new hospital. Months later, the doctor met his former patient on the street. How are you doing, he asked. Oh, I feel marvelous, said the man. I've been meaning to speak to you, said the doctor, about the promise that you made uh, to, for, my new, for the new hospital. What are you talking about, the man said. <laughs> you said that if you... Got well, you would contribute $50,000. I said that? <laughs> the patient, former patient exclaimed, Now you can see how sick I was. <laughs> because of this natural tendency to forget, Peter says in Second Peter chapter 1, 12 through 15, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. 
And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. You see, Peter, in this section of Second uh, Peter, is referring to the things that he had um, presented to us in, from, in verses 1 through 10. And he's saying that I'll remind you of God's great and precious promises. I'll remind you that as a child of God, you have the very nature of God in you. I'll remind you, says Peter, that you should make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. I remind you, says Peter, that you possess these qualities, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will be effective and productive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'll remind you that if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Essentially, Peter is saying, you might not like to be reminded of these things because you know them already. But it is my responsibility to refresh your memory so that you won't forget. See, the truth is, as Peter is presenting it, is that we always tend to forget the very things we want to remember and remember the things we would like to forget. All the, the memory can play strange tricks on us. There are things that have taken place in our lives that we would give anything to forget. Sins committed, words said in the heat of the moment, or something someone has done to us. We know perfectly well that we should forget them, but we see the person and back it flashes into our mind. We may not have we may not have thought about it for years, and then something happens and back it comes. That's a part of the perversion of sin. That is the accursed element of sin, which is so annoying. It stands between us and that which is best and, and highest. And nowhere does it show itself more than in the matter of memory. You see, we forget the good and we remember the bad. And Peter is careful to emphasize the difference between being aware of something and really living by it. He says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. You see, the danger always is that we imagine that because we are aware of something, that it is in our, our memory. But that is not necessarily 
the case. You see, memory is something that needs to be roused and stimulated again and again. And so Peter says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Peter does not mean that he wants uh, us to live on memories. We cannot live on the past. We cannot live on memories. That would not be living. That would be just existing. Trying to live back in the past on some good experiences we have had or being bitter and angry by the bad experiences of yesteryear is like attempting to walk forwards while looking backwards at the same time. It is something that will rob us of the divine quality of life. So Peter says, I want to refresh your, your memory of these perennial principles by which you ought to live. It's a business of the church and of preaching. It's not necessarily to present us with new and interesting ideas. It's not for political commentary and for presenting social ideas, though they may be important. But it is rather to remind us of certain fundamental and eternal truths which we constantly tend to forget. And so let me mention two things which we ought to keep central in our, in our minds. And the first is, remember that life is a precious gift from God. Remember that life is a precious gift from God. Now the Bible tells us about the greatness and the glory of human life. This is different from the way many people in our society view life. They view life with cynicism. They look at all the horrible things happening in this world and ask, what is life anyway? What is the point of it all? They can see nothing good or noble about life and have therefore adopted the philosophy, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. In other words, make the best of life today, get through it somehow, for there may be no tomorrow. But the Bible, on the other hand, proclaims that life is something which is great and which is significant. And so in Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, and I just note that in the, in the second sentence, uh, it is human beings, not people, where we read, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. It's a man or human beings, according to the Bible. is not a mere thinking animal that has evolved out of uh, lower types of life. Man is a special creation of God. God made man to and fashioned him in his own image. God breathed into human beings the breath of life. He made us for tremendous and mighty things. 
And that is also the teaching of the gospel. It means that no matter how poor and, and helpless you may be, no matter how much uh, we may be despised or poorly treated by the society, we are somebody. You see, our somebodiness did not, did not come from, from the world. It's a gift from God, and we should wear it proudly and with nobility. It's if we don't believe we are somebody, if we don't believe that life is a precious gift from God and that it is sacred, then we won't think very much of the next person's life. And that is at the, at, at the bottom of what uh, happened and, and happens every, every day in our society. But I'm focusing particularly on what happened in Charleston, South Carolina. Right, this young man, Dylan Roof, massacred nine praying black Christians in Mother Emmanuel Amy Church. He did not believe that black life is as important as white life. His racism did not allow him to believe that every person on this planet is a sacred trust that must be treasured. He was influenced by the teachings of white racist organizations, not by the teachings of the Bible. But we must not stop there, for uh, precious human lives are lost every day to gun violence in this country. And it would seem that we don't have the good sense to be able to, to think right and to do the right thing, so that guns, the possession of guns, seem to be more important than human lives. The most precious gift a human life can have is life itself. Indeed, the Bible tells us that life is more than the abundance of things that we possess. Jesus says in Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 8, 36 and 37, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. You see, life is more than having a good education, getting married, having children, retiring after years of hard work, and then waiting around to die. It is Apostle Paul who said in Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's a life apart from God makes no sense at all. When you live in a world like we are living in today, without God, nothing would make sense. And this is why some people who don't believe in God commit suicide, because life doesn't make any sense at all. Life is a gift from God, and we must never forget that. But the second thing is remember the nature and purpose of life. Remember the nature and purpose of life. Listen to Peter again in verses 13 and 14 of Second Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. And in the NIV translation it says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know 
that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. So we are here in this world. We have a body, but it is only the tent in which we live for a little while. We need to constantly remind ourselves that that planet Earth is not our permanent home. I'm a pilgrim, a traveler, and the world is a kind of inn in which I spend a night and then move on. God has put me here. I'm not here by accident, and you're not here by accident or by chance. He placed us here for a purpose. We're here to glorify God, to love him with our whole being, to walk with him and to talk with him. See, if our purpose here is to glorify God, then what we do in this life is of great importance. Every action counts. Every moment is of significance. Our time here is precious in the sight of God. And we need to remind ourselves of these things, says Peter. Or I need to remind you of these things, says Peter. So that after I'm gone, you won't forget them. So the question could be raised by someone here today. If you say that God is the author of life and that man is a unique creation of God, how do you explain the state of the world and all that is happening today? Why are terrorists holding the rest of the world hostage? Why the racial, social, religious, economic and political conflicts? Why do we have fightings and wars all over the world? The Bible alone supplies us with an adequate explanation. It tells us that all of the troubles and the trials and the tragedies that we see in this world can be explained by only one thing, and that is sin. And Jeremiah speaks of sin this way in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. It says, the heart, human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You see, the one thing the world hates is to be reminded of sin. The experts come up with all kinds of explanation for what is going on in the world. And those explanations don't satisfy us because they tell us about it, but it continues on and on. But as Christians, as people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that the real cause of all the troubles we see in our society and the world is sin which separates man from God and man from man. It is sin that caused millions of Africans to be taken from their homeland to be made slaves in the United States and the Caribbean and Latin America. It is sin that caused Christians, particularly in the South, to be among the most ardent defenders of slavery, which led to the Civil War. It is sin that led the framers of the United States Constitution to declare that for census purposes, blacks were to be counted as three-fifths of a person. That means almost a person, which is a denial of their humanity. 
It was sin that kept blacks out of schools and voting booths and out of offices and out of the front of buses and out of white neighborhoods and kept them out of churches, countless churches in obvious ways and subtle ways. The gospel of Jesus Christ reminds us constantly that sin produces wrong attitudes and wrong actions. And these inevitably lead to sorrow and trouble. And finally, it can lead to the destruction of civilization. There is no hope for a solution to the human problem of sin apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. As the hymn writer says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The gospel reminds us perpetually of the fact of sin. The next question that could be raised is, what is the objective of man's life? What is the whole purpose of us being here on this planet? Peter says in verse 15, And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. You see, Peter is here speaking about his impending death. He said the Lord has shown him that he, won't, he doesn't have long to, to remain here. He said death to the Christian is just a passing from the bondage and captivity of sin to a place where sin does not exist. Death is a departure from earth to heaven. Death is just the folding up of the tent and moving on, a crossing of the river and an entrance into God's everlasting kingdom. Someday, sooner or later, I know I will have to say goodbye to this old tent that I have been living in. Oh, it has served me well for eight decades, but the signs of wear and tear are showing. Memory is fading. The hair is getting gray. The eyes need magnification. The ears don't pick up the soft sounds as easily. The tent is getting older. But it is only a reminder that soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. I don't ever want to forget who it is that sustains me each and every day that I live. I don't want ever to forget who it is that keeps me in the hollow of his hand, that protects me from danger after danger, that helps me through life's difficult moments, that fills me with unspeakable joy and loves me with an everlasting love. I don't ever want to forget the price that was paid for my redemption, the blood that was shed for my salvation, the life that was given for my justification, and the cross that was carried for my sanctification. Or someday I will say goodbye to this old tent, this body of flesh and blood, and join fellow believers in Christ in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to forget who it is that is the anchor of my soul. I don't want ever to forget who it is that is the rock of my salvation, the object of my faith, the fountain of my joy, the master of my circumstances, and the Lord of my life. In the presence of my Lord and our Lord, 
There will be no valleys of disappointment. There will be no times of troubles, no days of despair, no trail of tears, no moments of misery. There will be no suffering of pain, no works of wickedness, no agony of defeat, no forms of fear, and no paths of loneliness. Seeing Jesus face to face and experiencing the full benefits of eternal life will surely be worth every temptation we have had to overcome. It will surely be worth every handicap we have had to endure, hardship we have had to endure. It will surely be worth every grief we have had to suffer, every peril that we have had to go through, and every situation we have had to deal with. But as I reflect on it, I ask the question, who knows the next step we take could be on the streets of purest gold. The next breath we breathe could be of a celestial atmosphere. The next sight we see could be the resurrected Lamb of God. The next meal we eat could be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the next hand we touch could be the hand of Jesus. And And so the hymn writer has put it correctly. Face to face, I shall behold him. Far above or far beyond the starry sky. Face to face, in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. And that is the hope of Christians. And so let's give praise and thanks to the Lord. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.